Great to see you here tonight. If you're, if you're visiting for the first time, I hope, you, uh, hope you're doing well. I hope you're settling into Edinburgh well. And I hope you're beginning to find a home here despite all the challenges that this uh, current season is holding. Um, so, there we go, right. Um, so, uh, we, we've just finished a week of prayer as a, as a church together. And I just wanted to reflect a little bit on prayer. Could you just turn that down a bit, please? Thanks. Um, so I was just reading the book of Revelation um, earlier, and it, it, Revelation is a fascinating book in that it's a kind of style of literature that we don't really have in our kind of uh, culture today. It's apocalyptic, so it's full of imagery and vivid, bizarre pictures that often we don't fully understand, which would have meant something to their original hearers that we wouldn't totally get today. But here was the point of that writing. It was written by the Apostle John in exile on the Isle of Patmos. And it was written, uh, it was a revelation from God to to Christians who were facing extreme challenge and persecution in their day. Some of them were getting put to death. Some of them were facing extreme hardship and torture. And I guess they were beginning to feel like, what's it all for? What's the point? And what this kind of writing does, Revelation, it, it, it draws back the curtain. So here we are, we see life on earth as it is, and we see the challenges that we face, and we're not comparing ourselves with those early Christians, but we face challenges, and we, we can sometimes feel like, well, what's, what's it all about? It just feels like a bit of a grind, day in, day out. But the book of Revelation just pulls back a curtain, and it shows us what's really going on. It shows us what God's up to. It shows us that all of the challenges we face are okay, even if hard, because all that God is doing behind the scenes, behind the curtain. So in uh, Revelation chapter 1, you see that um, Jesus is there. He's, He's there in his resurrected glory. These Christians, the last thing they would have remembered about the physical person of Jesus was this. He disappeared into a cloud, and they saw him no more after he was alive from the dead. And now they're being told he's being worshipped forever in heaven. And he says these incredible words. He says, I am the living one. I was alive. Uh, Sorry, I, I I was dead and now I'm alive. Behold, I hold the keys of death and Hades. And then in chapters two and three, we find that Jesus hasn't just left his church behind, but he's walking with his church and he's walking amongst his Christians and he's, and he's saying, oh yeah, well done. Keep going, keep being faithful. And to some others, he's saying, there's some things there you just need to work on a little bit because actually that's not the right way to be living as a Christian. And then in chapter 4, you have this amazing picture of the, the throne room of God. And there's just one sentence that captures it. It says, then I saw a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And straight away, these Christians are getting encouraged because it's like, Wow. It feels like everything's out of control right now, but God is on the throne and it's not out of control. But it was this particular verse I wanted to draw our attention to tonight in this, you could call Revelation a picture book. It's a picture book, not a story book. And uh, here's the picture that we see in Revelation uh, chapter 5, verse 8. It says, when he had taken it, the scroll... The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, and each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. 
And that's the picture. That's the simplicity of it. The prayers of God, which are bowls of incense before God. And you read about them again in Revelation 8, verse 3. It says, another angel was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. I just want to make three reflections on prayer as incense to God, if that's okay. Three things. Just give me a thumbs up or something if you're alive today, because it's so hard with face masks. Nobody gives you anything. You know, it's just like... uh, um, Here's the first thing. Prayer is beautiful to God. Prayer is beautiful to God. We have this fragrant incense. This is a fragrant candle. That that was the the dubious connection here, if you were looking for it. Fragrant incense to God. Hopefully, by the end of this message, you, you might be smelling something slightly different than when you came in. Prayer, as incense, is beautiful to God. Smell is surely the most sensitive of all of our senses. You know, you, you can miss things with your eyes. You can not feel things with your hands. But, man, if, if something smells rotten, you know about it straight away, don't you? Here's some fun facts for you. Bears can smell food 18 miles away. Amazing. Polar bears can smell a seal through one meter thickness of ice. Sharks can smell one part in a billion of amino acids of their prey, so they can, they can hunt literally for, for miles, because they can just taste something as, they, as they, they smell. God smells our prayers. Every single one of them. He just gets a whiff of it. The moment you open your mouth to worship or pray, God's like, oh, I get it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's wafting towards me. He says, that's my son. That's my daughter. That's King's Church with a particular waft this week. It seems that prayers have a particular resonance in this realm that we're reading about in Revelation. In fact, it talks about some Christians who are martyred and they're there speaking before God and they talk about the word of their testimony. These are the two things that seem to just go on in in that realm all of the time. The, the, The story of people's lives and the prayers they pray. And these are the things that actually matter most in our lives, believe it or not. It's the story of what God is doing in our lives and what we let him do, and the story of that life here on earth, and what it bears fruit in into all eternity, and the prayers we pray, and the effect they have. Uh, we're aware of so many restrictions at the moment. Uh, there was a man called uh, Brother Andrew who, who went behind the Iron Curtain in Eastern Europe back when there was an Iron Curtain, and he used to smuggle Bibles in there and encourage Christians. And he used to encourage Christians in, in the West to, to pray for Christians in Eastern Europe who could often not worship freely. And he said this, our prayers can go where we cannot. There are no borders, no prison walls, no doors that are closed to us when we pray. So here's the question tonight. So God smells our prayers. He gets to waft them. I'm saying it's a beautiful smell, but how do we know that? Because some of us might be sitting here tonight, and sometimes when I pray, I think, oh, that was a stinker. That wasn't so good. <laughs> If, if I was God, I would totally reject that one. 
It was just, it was just half-hearted. It was, uh, my mind was wandering all over the place. Well, sometimes my, I, I, I think to myself as I've prayed a prayer, I thought, well, that was such a great prayer. And I say, oh, you idiot. <laughs> now you've fallen into the sin of pride. You know, uh, Charles Spurgeon, who was a preacher in the 18th, uh, 18th century, he said, um, in the best prayer that was ever offered by the holiest man that ever lived, there was enough of sin to render it a polluted thing if the Lord had looked upon it by itself. Our consolation lies in this, that our beloved intercessor, Jesus, who stands before God for us, even Christ Jesus, possesses such an abundance of precious merit that he puts fragrance into our supplications and imparts a delicious odour to our prayers. He makes intercessions to be, through his merit, what they could not have been without it, acceptable before the majesty of heaven. Isn't that beautiful? The reason our prayers smell so good is because Jesus has changed them. (laughs) Jesus has made them smell good. It's not because they smell good in any sense by any of our efforts, but because Jesus has fixed them for us. One of the early church fathers, Ambrose, he, he talked about a child gathering just flowers and weeds in the garden, not knowing the difference between the two. And he, when she or he gathers them together and gives them to his mother to give to his father. And the mother takes the bundle of scrawny flowers and weeds and she picks out the weeds. And then she also puts in some beautiful extra flowers and then she gives them to her son or daughter and then says, go and give these to the father. That's what Jesus does to our prayers when we pray. And it makes them beautiful to God. And so we have these bowls of our prayers right now. Any, any prayer you've ever prayed, it's right there. So here's the second thing. Prayer is noticed by God. Isn't this interesting? Jesus, or God who, who chooses to forget your sin. So God can be forgetful when he wants to be. He forgets all of the stuff we've done wrong so we can enjoy a relationship with him. But here's the thing he keeps near to himself so he'll never forget. It's prayers that you and I pray. Now, I'm human, and I'm probably a more forgetful human than some. A few years ago now, uh, my daughter was uh, at a gymnastics class in, in, in Craig Lockhart Gym, and I dropped her off there. And then I'd gone off and I was just working at home doing a couple of hours of stuff. And I got a phone call from, from Craig Lockhart Jim. And didn't think anything of it when they said, Hi, Mr. Hudson, is, is Craig Lockhart Leisure Centre here? And they just, they just paused. I think for data protection purposes, they weren't allowed to tell me why they were ringing. And uh, she said, I said, oh, hi, hi, yeah. And she said, uh, so uh, I, I just wondered if you'd forgotten to collect anybody today I was like oh yeah 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 Evie Evie she said yeah <laughs> so I raced down and picked her up see we, we know what it is to be forgetful you've probably never done that but you, you will believe me um, God forgets our sin but he never forgets our prayers because he's deliberately put them near to his throne 
And any time we might think they have disappeared from view because we've forgotten about them because they were prayed so long ago and we think, what did I even pray today or yesterday or last week or last month? God's got the bowl right in front of him and he tells the angels to give it another stir so he can be reminded of everything that you've put into that bowl over your lifetime as a Christian. He says in Exodus 3, when Moses came on the scene to rescue the people of God, these are the words that God said to him. He said, he said I've heard the cry of my people, Moses. I've heard about it. They thought nothing was happening. They thought they were just slaves in Egypt and God wasn't doing anything. But God said, no, I've been thinking about this. I've been preparing for this and you're the answer to that prayer. Prayer is noticed by God. He keeps our prayers near to him. Here's the third and final thing. That our prayer is a continuous offering before him. It's continuous. This incense is there. It's just day and night in God's nostrils. And it's fascinating. Whenever the the Apostle Paul talks about prayer in the New Testament, he often just puts this word, study it for yourself, he often just puts the word continually in the sentence. He doesn't just say, I'm to the Colossians. He doesn't simply say, uh, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We co- he says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. In Ephesians 6, he says, pray in the spirit at all times and all occasions. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers. Be persistent. Keep on doing it. Jesus told a parable to uh, his, his followers. He said, you should always pray and never give up. Luke chapter 18. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 2, he says, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. I wonder if Paul had this vision as he prayed of just this incense just coming up before God all of the time. And any time he just thought of something, he said, we'll pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Any time he just saw somebody, he thought, yeah, Lord, just bless them. Lord, yeah, just fix that problem. Anytime he, he, he came across a situation that he'd break through, break through he, didn't, he didn't wait for the prayer meeting. He said, Lord, would you just give a breakthrough there? Oh, Lord, would you heal that person who needs you? Would you lead that person to Christ who needs to know you? Praying continually. Now, you might find it hard to know what to pray sometimes. It might interest you to know that there's a number of things that the New Testament encourages us to pray. Prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of forgiveness, prayers of intercession, prayers of praise and adoration, prayers of dependency on Jesus, prayers of wisdom, seeking wisdom, prayers of petition and supplication, prayers of seeking God's peace, and prayers of salvation. And I find it helpful sometimes because sometimes when I pray, I don't know about you, but I, I come to pray and I say, Lord, and then I kind of run out of words. Something I've learned to do is I just printed out some of, the, some of the New Testament prayers that Paul prays, that Jesus prays, and, and I put them on a sheet. And this is often what I'll do when I, look, when I come to pray. I'll just pull the sheet out of my Bible and I'll just flick through it and, and I'll just start praying along the lines of one of these prayers. So, here's one. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, whom from whom every family on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. 
So I'll pray that God, out of his glorious riches, will strengthen me with his power through his spirit in my inner being so that Jesus lives in my heart through faith. I'll just pray these things back to God and it's like incense before him. Sometimes, because I lose focus and I get distracted, I have a timer app on my phone and it just alerts me every two minutes when I pray to just remind me to to keep going, to move on and pray about something else. And I have little headlines that come up. It says, pray for Thanksgiving, pray for your family, pray for your church, pray for your friends, pray for the world, lots of different things. And it just helps me keep on praying that those prayers might keep coming before God. So that's it. That's our prayers as incense. Can you smell the candle yet? It's hard with masks on, isn't it? Good point. Well, what I'd love us to do now is just offer some fragrant incense to God, as we already have been doing in worship, and to continue to do that.